This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello there, beholders. Gosh. If that was an awkward pause to you, then go listen to last week's episode and you'll get why. You got to keep, you got to listen every week or you're going to miss the inside jokes. It's true. There's lots of inside jokes. Um, and we'll say bye-bye when we end this episode as well. Hey, this is quite the treat today. Um, I should say my name is Sean and that was Dan who was just speaking a second ago. Hello. Today we are joined by uh, just quite honorable guests. I will say it's not every day that we have someone beaming through the interwebs to speak with us all the way from Poland, but today is that day. So hello, Mr. And Mrs. Pat and Sheila Smith. Hello, Sean and Dan and BBC. Uh, oh. Wow. Okay. So that's Polish, I assume. Uh, so you may or may not know. Good day. Hello. And nice to see you. So you guys may or may not know beholders that Pat and Sheila Smith are doing a, a mission stint in Poland three months. At least that's what they signed up for. Who knows what God has in store. Uh, maybe we'll hear a little bit about that in the coming minutes here, but it's great to just uh, hear from you guys. What time is it over there, by the way? It is not twenty one twelve. Oh, okay. 9.15 PM. Okay. Wow. And you guys just, you got tell everybody what you guys just finished up doing. Well, we just uh, finished having dinner with uh, our Wednesday night life group because uh, we finished one of the Bible study uh, books from First Principles. And for that last lesson, we did a summary of what our takeaways have been and then uh, shared a meal uh, over that as well. So it was, a, it was a sweet, sweet time. How's the food over there? I have found <laughs> what more free items than I ever thought because we're next to Germany and they make so much gluten-free. I am five pounds heavier. Wow. Okay. So you're enjoying, you're enjoying some, some delicious local cuisine. Mm-hmm. I'll say uh, Poland is keto friendly. <laughs> okay. Wow. You guys are the most boring culinary interview I've ever done. <laughs> hey, you want me to tell you 10 ways to cook kielbasa? I'm there. Okay. Well, that will save that for another time. Okay. Uh, so tell us, tell us kind of what you guys have been doing to, to like, what is the ministry that God has given you guys over there? I'm sure it's multifaceted, but give us kind of just the bird's eye view of your, your strategy, um, the different venues you guys have, just kind of give us a rundown. Cause, uh, some of us might not be aware. Yeah. Just a, a couple of things that, that we're doing, uh, from my side, I've, partnered with uh, Pastor Arek, who uh, pastors the Polish church here in Kutno. And we've identified, he's identified some men that are going to take on leadership roles. So we've done some leadership training uh, using some of the Antioch material with that. Uh, Been a a good encouragement. I have been for Arek. Arek has been for myself. So we've had a, a good time of building each other up. As far as that goes, we've had some uh, men's meetings where we've done some studying and just gathering with the the men in the church. And then with the uh, Ukrainian church, we've done some aid and aid distribution with the the refugees. So not as much uh, with the Ukrainian church this trip as last time, but a lot more from my side uh, pouring into the folks in the Polish church. That sounds awesome. And and Sheila, what about you? Kind of where what's your focus been? 
I've done a lot of individual with the women that I had met last time. And so I've done a lot more with the Ukraine women than with the Polish women. Um, I've had more of a friendship with the Polish women at the church and come alongside them and just enjoying fellowship and friendship with them and which they really need. They really need that fellowship. They're, they're pretty um, heavy with a loneliness here because of the, mm. the different, you know, religions and everything. But with the Ukraine women, I've been hanging out with them a whole lot more, having them over my house, uh, teaching them English and then moving into actually Bible studies and scripture memory with them. And um, a few of them just listening to their heartache. I mean, some of them don't know where their husbands are. They don't know oh. if they'll ever see them again. Some of them have had their husbands die or their children die and just listening to their their heaviness and their grief. And um, the biggest question that the women are constantly asking me is, do you think it's possible for us to forgive? And that's mm-hmm. a heavy, heavy subject. And I don't take it lightly that they're asking me that. And I'm not going to give them just a, a little pat answer, you yeah. know. So doing a lot of listening and, um, yeah, because of the translation, but God is so good. Most of the Ukraine women speak English. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you, Praise you, the Lord for that. It's so encouraging to hear just what you guys are doing out there. And obviously some really hard stuff going on. And you just mentioned that word heartbreak and some of the context of the war going on. And maybe just an, an interesting question to ask you guys is, you know, a lot of people here who are probably listening to this right now, um, they've never known a time of war, right? We live in general peace here. And I imagine it's quite a culture shock being there in that way. So maybe just speak a little bit to what it's like being there. But also I'm curious, is there ways that as you guys are in that right now and being surrounded by that hardship that you feel like you can see the Savior at work more, right? And you see him answering prayers and whatnot in just tangible ways? Uh, I think the biggest exposure that I've had with uh, men in the war here is our time in Lviv, where we met with um, six six men, uh, and mostly in their 30s, who are planting churches around Kiev and in the middle of the war. And to hear their hearts and to hear what God is doing, even in that uh, in that time in Kiev, they've planted a church uh, because of the war, because people in a village could not get to the, the church, the main church. So one of the men goes and they have, they've started a house church and now that's uh, about to start another one. And I was so encouraged to hear how God is moving and they had a lot of sorrow because of men from their church who have died or are missing. And, and so to hear that on the one hand, but then the other hand, the joy of people being able to go to church, spreading the gospel in that uh, in that arena, in that atmosphere, that was that was pretty overwhelming uh, to to be with those guys and to hear that. And they were so disruptive in their lives. Their lives were so disruptive or disrupted, but they were so into what do we do to build God's kingdom? What do we do wow. to plant a church? What do we do to gather people to where they had to just disregard the war from their minds? And that, that was amazing to see them making plans. I mean, they sat together making plans. How do we do this? How can we see each other even though we're at a distance? 
And it was like the dysphoria, you know, when the Jew, you know, the, the, the yes, the Christians were dispersed because of persecution. Of yeah. yeah. These guys are getting dispersed. And I had one conversation with, because they were young guys, um, half married, and half not. And each of them sat with me, which I was, you know, so honored that they would sit with me. I was the only girl really hanging out with everybody. <laughs> and um, they asked me, well, what do you think? Like, what if I get called up to war? Do, do I keep going? Do I keep planting? And at the end of our conversation, the only thing I can remember is when Jesus said, right, to Peter, what, what does it matter if I keep this guy alive or this guy is not going to be alive? You follow me. You do what I'm asking you to do. And don't be worried about what everybody else is doing. And mm. I said, can you do that? Can you not be worried about what mm. other people are doing? Can you not think about the war right now, regardless if you have to go to the front? Can you just plant and God takes care of the rest? We're not in charge of the results. We're the messengers. Were to participate and just to see them be encouraged by that, because I'm thinking, what do I got to offer them? What, what what can I possibly say to these guys? But to sit there and dialogue with them, and because I believe that, it, it was amazing to see them. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. right. We have to just keep building God's kingdom. I think that's so cool. Just two two comments. First of all, just I just hear your heart. And I just so appreciate it. And it's so inspiring just to just so much of it sounds like you're, you're just sitting with people in their grief and just listening and directing them to the Lord. And it's such a, um, a, a beautiful, simple thing that I think sometimes we, we miss because we're so, we're just on to the next thing. We're so busy or we're so task oriented or we we're trying to, to fix something or solve some problem. But sometimes, most times, what we just need to do is just listen and enter into whatever someone is going through. And so just really, I want to affirm that in you guys and just say it's just beautiful to to hear that heart. And I'm sure God is producing incredible fruit through that. And then you mentioned something that I just want to point to, just to make sure every, we didn't lose anybody. So uh, you mentioned the dispersion and, and you can read about it uh, after the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Um, he was brought before the Sanhedrin and he was called a blasphemer and, and boom, he was killed. And what, what you read about in Acts chapter eight is, uh, persecution started to break out against all the church that was, that was in the Jerusalem at that time. And what did it do? It caused the believers to, to, to spread out to Judea and Samaria. And as a result, that's how the, that's this, how God expanded his kingdom. That's how new churches started. And it seems like that's what you guys are, are experiencing over there. It's pretty amazing. Um, hey, can I say uh, one thing, Dan? Yeah. Um, for what, what you talked about, your first point of sitting with people and the value of that, uh, I didn't gain that perspective until I heard uh, Tim Johnston and Tim Barley and Jill uh, come back and uh, Claire come back from the first trip and talk about the impact of the people there and they're meeting them and how overwhelmed they were with the care that uh, we showed from BBC to go that far. Because my first question to Tim when he was coming was, and he asked me about going, I said, can, can one or two people really make that much of a difference? And hearing his response 
especially when he came back, uh, really gave us the motivation to come over here. And we've seen that, to your point, just um, incredible value in that with the people that you meet. That's great. Are, are most of the, the churches that you guys are, are interacting with house churches or are there some, some larger gatherings too? Um, yeah. Our, the town of Kutno, the city of Kutno has uh, four Protestant churches in amongst all the Catholic churches. And I don't believe there's any with more than 40 people in it. And the town has 35,000 people in it. Uh, Now we'll be traveling to Gdansk uh, a couple days before we leave. And we'll be visiting uh, a man that has four house churches planted. So they seem to be smaller churches, but still church buildings, um, very Western model from that perspective. So there's there's some that we'll get exposed to with house churches. And I think you find that more down towards the border when we were with Tim uh, down by Ukraine, that maybe was a little bit more prevalent than up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really good. And, and we're, I'm sure we're going to continue to just hear insights and stories and just lessons that God is teaching you as we go through our discussion today. So, so we'll kind of, we'll kind of transition now to, what we do on the Behold podcast, which is behold um, the glory of God in the face of Christ as we look at his word. And so, Sean, why don't you help us transition, kind of uh, tell, tell us where we're at and, and what we're going to be focusing on today. Yeah, well, I think it's actually, it's a really fitting transition because part of what you guys just shared is just the value and impact that people who have the joy of Christ can have in those hard circumstances like that, right? And so exiting Easter, now we're back into our old teaching series, which is the gospel of Luke. Um, and let's call it previous. Let's not say old, old sounds bad. We're into our, we're picking up our esteemed teaching series, Thank you, thank you. the, the fresh and renewed gospel of Luke. Um, and we're in chapter five right now. You know, we've heard some amazing things in, in chapters one through four, you know, beginning with the birth of Jesus and then him beginning his ministry and making some really important claims about what God anointed him and sent him to do. We're just going to come into play as we continue on in Luke. Um, but now we're seeing him in, in a situation and respond in a certain way to some uh, opposition. But one of the big themes that came out as Nate taught this on Sunday was just the, the, the untouchable joy that comes from walking with Jesus. And really that's, that's part of what Jesus is getting at. He's receiving, receiving some criticisms and, and basically how he responds is, how could you not be celebrating with joy right now? I'm in your presence. And he uses this analogy of, of a wedding feast. And, and he says, when you're in the presence of the bridegroom, how could you not just be in jubilation, right? And that really extends to a lot of aspects of, of our lives. And so as Nate taught this at the Ultima like five weeks ago <laughs> and at the crossing here this Sunday, um, what are some things in that theme of, of just joy and newness with Jesus that jumped out to you guys? I think two things. One quick one, as far as the joy from the new covenant, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about uh, fasting when they've asked him. And one of the notes that I wrote down was that we feast in his presence and then fast in his absence. Mm-hmm. And and that was something that just uh, hit me when Nate was talking. But I think that the bigger thing, because we're here in Poland and there's such uh, a high Catholic tradition that when people come into the, the Christian church and, and have a saving experience with Christ, 
there's a lot of things that uh, traditions that they have that they bring in. And that's that's when I started to uh, talk about, uh, think about when that last section came up of what is it that we need to strip away so that we can enjoy the fellowship with with Christ? What gets in the way? And, and it, I guess I've seen it when we're back in, in California with, you know, all different people, myself included, but it's just everybody has the same background here. And, and it's very strong. So as you talk to believers, they're mostly at some stage of shedding that. Either they've completely shed it or they're still trying to uh, shed it uh, or just still kind of stuck in it as, as new believers. So it's uh, it's it was exciting to hear Nate talk about it because we're we're kind of living through that. And I love talking to people about it because what you're really talking about is the freedom in Christ that we that we get to enjoy. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. And the big distinction is, I think, between some some type of you know religious religious endeavor or some type of moralistic pursuit, and what Christ is calling us to in the new covenant life. The biggest distinction is is everything that goes along with relationship with Jesus. It's just being with Him, right? And whether it's, we're talking about, you know, celebrating his presence, right? When, when, we're, when we're gathered together or his personal presence in our life, whether we're talking about being obedient to his teachings as, uh, you know, a, um, an overflow of our love for him as a response to our love for him, or if we're talking about just freedom and victory over sin, right? These are all realities that we have in the new covenant because we know Jesus, because he put his spirit within us. And that's the big distinction, I think. And I wonder if that's probably what people are, you know, coming out of a, a Catholic tradition, not not for all people, but some people can really get caught up in, in I got to do the things. That's what makes me righteous. I got to say the prayers. I got to go to confession. I got to live a moral life. I have to, you know, give this, give that. And it's, it's in, in Jesus's life. Nate said something cool. He, he also talked about the new covenant on Thursday night when he taught at the gathering. And one of the things he said is, is obedience is God's love language. What do you guys think about that? Obedience is God's love language, right? Like we, we are obedient from the heart because his spirit is within us, causing us to do that as a re- love response. It's not me trying to make myself righteous or me trying to, to earn God's favor or earn his love. I already have his love. And now I'm just responding, you know, to him in obedience. Um, I don't That's know. It's the first it, John 4, 19 thing we love because he first loved us. And that's yeah. where that's generated out of. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So if the Holy Spirit is the actual presence of Christ mm-hmm. and Christ was obedient to the Father unto death, wouldn't we be experiencing that that sense of obedience because the Spirit is obedient to the will of the Father? And Come on, so, girl, preach it, preach it. Let's we, go. You know, we we think we have to muster up this obedience, and there's a lot of suffering in obedience. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to die to my how I think it should be, or die to I don't want to do it this way. But because the spirit dwells in us, how 
people would say, oh, how fortunate. No, it's not fortunate. How lucky. No, not how lucky. How blessed it mm-hmm. is that I have a presence in me that's training me and teaching me and giving me the sense of obedience. And when I respond to it, the spirit is training me how to obey. And then it's trust and obey. And then, like you said, it's a joy. It's yeah. a joy to obey because it, it pleases the father. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let, let's read just this, just to, just to put an exclamation point on that, on that great word you just brought. So, and, and Nate brought this in when he talked about the joy producing features of the new covenant. So this is a, this is a prophecy about the, about the new covenant, about God doing a new work. It's from Ezekiel chapter 36. And I'll just start reading in verse 25. It says, I will sprinkle, sprinkle clean water on you and you'll sh- you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you, listen to this, cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. So it's all of, it's all of this um, renewing uh, regenerative work that God is doing in us through his spirit that causes us to be obedient to the standard of teaching that, that Jesus has, has presented to us. And, and if it, if it does, if, if we're trying to get at it any other way, we're not going to, we're not going to be, it's not going to work. And we're, we're not going to be experiencing the joy that, that Nate was talking about on, on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you used that word earlier, Pat, of tension. And we say things like that, a lot of tension or balance or, you know, tugging on both ends. And that's what this is here is we talk about joy and, and ultimately, joy is the the mark of someone who loves Jesus dearly. You know, that seems to be what Jesus says anyways. Obedience, like you guys said, that's the love language or how we show that love, that that, 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 that love is actually authentic for, for us, right? And so every single one of us should, regardless of circumstance, regardless of age or demographic or whatever, we should all, if we're really pursuing the Lord and, and, and studying his word, our lives should be marked by obedience and joy. And yet so often for so many of us, it gets shifted to just one or the other, right? It's too easily. We, we are only about joy and we don't really care what God's word tells us to do in our lives. Or too often we, we only care about the traditions and obedience and your life is not marked by joy. And I'll tell you what, that makes me so sad when I speak with those people who I love who say they love Jesus, who show up to all the things, who serve in whatever ways, but then you just listen to them and, and watch them and hear them talk about their hearts and their lives and they're just not joyful, right? Yeah. And at either one of those ends, it's like something is missing here. Something is missing. And like you said, it's, 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 it's going to set us up for an unhealthy walk, you know, uh, an unhealthy way to perceive and process life, you know, because it takes both of those things. It makes me think when you said that, the scripture, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? Mm -hmm. Obedience, suffering. And what was that joy that many sons and daughters would come, right? And they would be part of the kingdom of God. So if I'm able, I'm supposed to have, right, this mind that was in Christ, supposed to be my mind, right? That the joy set before me of enduring whatever I have to go through, with the people that I'm sitting with who don't know Christ, that joy of saying, well, if, if, if I'm presenting the gospel, if I'm trying to be the gospel, 
that should be the joy for me because I'm hoping that they come to the saving knowledge. And if I have to suffer through it by not leaving my family behind, I mean, I got daughters and grandkids and leaving that behind in order to be a part of bringing the sons and daughters to the kingdom, getting to participate in that because of obeying the spirit, then that suffering can be joyful. I can Mm. enjoy the suffering. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That is an insane thought (laughs) that people think we have. By the world's standards, it is insane. But by God's standards, it's it's absolutely the design. And I love that. It's kind of like it's kind of like the uh, the wild card in Uno or whatever. It's like it's that's our one trick pony. Because if life is going great, you have reason to have joy and thank God for His blessings. If life is very difficult, you have reason to have joy because it says in in, in both of those ways, like in Romans five or in James or whatever, that that if you're going through hard stuff, you're being sanctified. Hallelujah! I can have joy. And then on the other side, if you're going through hard stuff, you can rejoice because you're participating in Christ being glorified. Like, man, it is amazing. It is insane by the world's standards. And yet for one who who trusts God's words, who has the indwelling of the spirit, who really wants to follow Jesus, it's the design out outlined by him himself, right? Yeah. And hallelujah, if you are going through trials that strips you and peels the onion even more to transform you mm-hmm. more into his likeness, hallelujah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it it's a great segue into these pictures or these examples that that Jesus gives when he's talking about the 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 joy that the new covenant life produces and he talks about um you know this idea of there there's a new garment and an old garment, right? And and the old garment's all ratty and and beat up and and just nasty, you know, like no one would, would want to wear that. But then there's this new garment that's just uh, beautiful and sparkling and spotless. And and it's just, you know, wonderful. And it would be insane, Jesus says, to, to tear off a piece of that old garment and put it on to the, <laughs> to the new garment. And the same idea with, with uh, wine and wineskins, right? That there is this process of, of making wine that where the, where the wine would acclimate to the wine skin. And then if you try to do that process again in the old container, it would, it would, it would ruin the wine. It would ruin the wine skin. The whole thing would get messed up. And, and then again, just, okay, let's take that wine. Let's say we got this new, this new wine. Um, we, w- once you've tasted it, right. Once you, once you have, have the, the, the good stuff, <laughs> No one's going to go back and say, give me that old stuff, you know? And so I'm just curious. I'd love to hear what you guys' thoughts are on how, how does that relate to this conversation we just had about joy and suffering and, and how God, how God makes new stuff, how he does, he produces new work in us, how he produces new work in his church, how he, even just the cost of that process for God to institute the new covenant. Like I'd love for us to just kick that around. Like what are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah. I, one thing when he talked about um, uh, it's, it's foolish to incorporate the gospel piecemeal onto outworn human tradition, right? That was one of Nate's notes for that. And I've had many opportunities to talk about uh, my Catholic faith and that transition 
over to a relationship with Christ and how for, uh, for a period of time, I was trying to hold on to some of the old thoughts and patterns. And, and we were talking actually tonight um, about baptism and what I thought it took me 20 years to get baptized as a believer uh, mm. because I just, I had my own thoughts about it. I knew <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. needed to tell me about you were baptism. Clinging, I got baptized before were, I was a month old. <laughs> yeah. You were clinging to, to the old tradition. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and I, and it changed and I just found what I needed to hear in order to justify. And I didn't understand it. Obviously we talk about obedience. Um, we talk about being in the family and, and baptism bring us into the, the family. And until I really understood that, I was I was going through all these mental gymnastics. And there were a couple parts of my life that I did that with. And until we just let go and take on the 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 benefits of the new covenant, we're not going to experience that joy because we're we're just kind of mixing and matching. And it doesn't make sense. We're not going to produce have that joy produced in in our life when we're when we're going about that and uh you know i was just thinking as as we were talking for for those that have are coming from a, a different tradition and are kind of clinging it's, it's difficult and then there's there's some and to a degree i was i was like this i would i shed all of the tradition because i just went rogue for you know nine ten years and just dropped Everything and in some ways that made it easier because I was I didn't have to leave mentally leave anything behind because I was just willing for something new because my life was so shattered. I will take it. Just give me what you have and I will take it. And and so in a lot of ways that made it easier. But because I went back to a very tradition based religion, you know, I accumulated some of those those traditions again, which. It just it gets in the way. All these things get in the way of a pure joy of walking with with Christ and experiencing that that freedom. I, on the other hand, got baptized pretty quickly after coming to Jesus. Oh, <laughs> this is not a contest. Okay, it's not a competition. But I, I can tell you this: coming out of a traditional religion to be my maiden name to be a Corey was to be Catholic. Mm. And that was my identity. And with it came all these traditions. And when I came to know the Lord, I didn't know what to do with all of them. I was like, do I throw all the traditions out? Like, because I, I remember this passage, what do I do? And I remember taking traditions and taking different events that the church would have. And I brought it to the scripture. And I said, um, is this an open hand or a closed handed issue? I just love that phrase that our church uses. It like so where does this fit? And now being in Poland, Pastor Attic was very on poignant in telling us to be Polish is to be Catholic. So if you're asking someone wow. not to be Catholic and to become Christian, you're asking them not to be their identity, which encompasses all these traditions. And so before Easter, they have this tradition that they have these baskets. They fill them with eggs and kielbasa. Pat, too much kielbasa going on in this household. <laughs> um, eggs, kielbasa, meat. Um, there is a 
um, pussy willows mm-hmm. and um, ivy. And they bring these baskets to the front of the church. And I am not kidding. These churches are very old. I mean, 1400. And um, the table's laid out and everybody's all dressed up and they have all these pretty little baskets with all this. And they wait for the priest to come out and, you know, sprinkle everybody and, and say um, a prayer. And I saw out of my eyes, some people rushing, rushing to get their baskets. Some baskets were elaborate. I, I mean, like almost like, look at my basket. What's in your basket? Mm. And it made me think of well, why do we do this? And so one of the girls from the church is like, oh, they get blessed. And then they bring it to the meal on Sunday after Easter and they share the food. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of neat that you, you, you make this basket up and you're blessing and you want to bless somebody. But it went... What, what happened beforehand? It was like all the um, craziness of people running up. I mean, there were hordes of people going up mm, there. Wow. And I just felt like it was like the Temple of Jerusalem. Um, what was that? Vendors. Yes. They had the, the pussy willows and the, and the uh, ivy, and they were selling the flowers, and they were selling some kibasa. And right at the entrance of the gates, before walking into the courtyard, was a table and they were selling Polish bagels. Apparently there's a tradition of Polish bagels and a type of bagel that you buy them, they put them in their baskets and they bring them in. They're on a rope necklace type of. So then Pat, did you, did you then sit down and make a whip and then uh, <laughs> just go in and start yeah, wrecking yeah, shop yeah, in there? the end of the story until the show <laughs> finishes. <laughs> See uh, the Jewish people getting their lives, but we're doing the bagels. You know, yeah. it, it reminded me of being in uh, Jerusalem and being at the at the wall mm-hmm. and seeing the people praying at the wall. And I had two ideas when I saw that. One, these poor people that are misguided and misled. And I thought that when we saw that uh, before Easter. But two, I the the thought didn't escape me that these people are on fire for their tradition. And my prayer is for the for the church to be that on fire for the real Jesus, as as these people are for these traditions. I mean, there were nobody drives. There were people in their 80s that were walking with these baskets through the city to get to the church. And, yeah. you know, I, I wish that so many people took that much effort to to gather together on Sundays from from the church, not our church. Obviously, everybody does. But other churches. And then the day after <laughs> Easter, on that Monday, I went up to the Catholic Church because, you know, they have these little grottos, you know, with all the different icons in it. And they have like, you know, each little grotto has a different depiction. And I was like, well, let me go up. I, I love to see old churches. And I walked through empty. Hmm. You could drop a pin and hear it. Hmm. Nobody was in there. And I started walking around, taking pictures, a little concerned that, you know, maybe that was irreverent taking pictures, but I was very interested. And all the way in the back, there was this one grotto and it had a heart and it had a white sheet and then a red sheet, you know, which was to depict when, you know, Jesus was struck with the spirit and the, they said, you know, the, um, that's how they knew he had died because the water and the blood, you know, they separated. Yeah. And there was one little old lady there and she was doing her rosaries. And I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't mind sitting down and contemplating what happened yeah. to Christ. You know, there was depictions of Christ and the different, you know, um, timetables leading up to the um, cross. 
And I looked over at her and she was almost like weeping and like rocking back and forth. And all I wanted her to do was make eye contact with me. Then mm-hmm. I was going to shimmy on over and just say, so what was your Easter like? Yeah. And just having a conversation, you know, and um, yeah. I walked around and she was locked there was nobody in. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the traditions were done. Right. They did mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. All done On until to- next year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what a powerful experience for you guys. One thing that, that kind of struck me as you guys were describing all of that was, was two things you said. One thing is you're describing kind of the, the clinging tra- to traditions. You said this phrase, Sheila you said to ask me to not do this would ask me to not be my identity, right? Like to not be Catholic is to not be Polish, you know? And how much does that just speak to the attitude of the Jews in this situation with Jesus? That's how they viewed him. It's like, hey, you're asking me to not do this. You're asking me to to give up who I am, right? But I think it's a great warning for a lot of us, whether we're coming from Catholicism or Judaism or being Polish, no offense to you Polish people, whatever your traditions are, we all got our stuff. We all have our line. And a lot of us will say, hey, if you ask me to cross that line, that's too far, Jesus. But Jesus makes it clear, right? There's no such thing. You know, he makes clear the cost of following him, which reminds me of, I think in Luke 14, he's describing uh, the cost of being a disciple. Like, hey, you need to make sure you understand the cost. He uses language like forsaking your mother and father and your brother and sister. He says, how foolish would someone be if they wanted to build a tower, but they didn't first sit and weigh out the cost of doing so, right? If he did that, he would fail in his endeavor. So Jesus says, no, 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 you have to, you have to understand the cost of following me. And there is cost. But then elsewhere, we hear from Jesus that that cost means nothing in comparison to the glory of the kingdom of God, right? So I just love thinking about that. And one thing too, when you, your first question, Dan, I was like, how do we, this whole newness thing, like, how do we do this, right? What does that look like? I'm just going to give a quick plug, not to toot my own horn, but I think a really great thing to, to look at for this is Romans 6, which I talked about recently. If you missed it, go listen to it online. Because verse four in Romans six says just that he says, we've been buried with Christ so that we could walk in newness of life. And then Paul outlines the whole process of exactly what that looks like. And spoiler alert, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to obedience basically. And then the response to that, the promise at the end of chapter six is the result of that obedience is two things, sanctification. So you're becoming more like Jesus which then I think naturally affects all those things you listed, Dan, as far as newness of ministry and life and relationships and all those things. And then it says the result of that Christ-likeness is eternal life, mm. eternal life. Boom. So it's just like, man, I hate to be a one hit wonder with our answers of behold Jesus and be obedient and he'll fix everything. But that really is our path, you know? Yeah. Well, it's so good. I mean, just in Romans six seventeen, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from where? From the heart. To what? To the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Man. Right? So there's a, there's a, an inside out dynamic that God is, is working out in us through the sanctification process. And, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, one thing that I just, I, I want to kind of focus on just as maybe, maybe we, we wrap up and let you guys get to bed over there in, in <laughs> Poland. Um, it's just kind of coming back to um, just the, the joy uh, aspect. And I think when we can find freedom 
from our traditions because I, I think the, you know, when we look at um, kind of a, a religious belief system like Catholicism and not, not to point it out and, 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 and shine a light on it unduly, but, but just when we're, when we're looking at that, it's kind of more obvious the the issue that we're talking about of tradition, but man, we can, we can fall into the same traps here in, in our Protestant evangelical churches, right? Whether it's cultural things that, that we, we've just always done it that way, you know, at this church, or it could be things that are, are seeping in from, from the, the, the world in our area, you know, whether it's about, you know, influences from, from, from Silicon Valley or influences from the, all the money that's in our area. Right. And just there, there can be so many things that it could be from, from your family of origin. We just have to really be on guard that we're not, um, we're not clinging to, to anything that is going to rob us of the joy that Jesus wants us to, to live with. And, you know, just one of the things that is just on my heart as, as, as we were going through this is, man, I, I want our church gatherings, like it's, I, my heart is so, um, you know, just motivated to point that joy out whenever we gather together. That's part of, you know, you, you could probably notice that, you know, in the songs we choose and, and just the, the invitations we give in, in worship and, and even in teaching, you know, we do our best to, to make it uh, engaging and interacting. And we, we, we don't want you to just sit in your chair and just kind of be a, a statue. You know, I joke a lot of times, like we're not the chosen frozen, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, let's like, let's, there's life here. There's love and joy here. And let's, let's express that. And so just as I was, you know, hearing Nate talk, I just, I just got so excited just about, um, the, the opportunity for growth, you know, at VBC, at both campuses, just with regards to just living this out, living, living, no matter what, to your point, Sean, no matter what our week has been like, no matter what season we're in, in life, just to, to have this, this joy that is, is so evident and obvious when, when we come together on Sunday mornings. So just as you're listening, I don't know, just be thinking, uh, this next time you come to church, you know, just what, where's your mindset? Where's your, where's your focus? And are you, are you coming in with this reality on, on the forefront of your mind that, um, all, all that God has done to, to bring you into this new life and the joy that that produces. And are you coming ready to like, let that like unleash it, you know, like let it out. So, um, that's just kind of my final thought and, and I hope I didn't ruffle any feathers, but it's kind of what I do sometimes. No, no, no feathers ruffled. I'm sure that, that doesn't happen on behold. Uh, I, I wish you too. I wish everybody who's listening could have been with us at our Bible study on Monday night. We go to a couple's, uh, apartment with, I don't know, usually about eight people there or so. And there's a meal and we talk about, uh, the scripture and, the, one of the questions that we discussed was, can you be a Christian and not grow? Right? And, and so we kind of wrestled around and I thought, man, what a, not in a mean way, what a terrible question. Right? <laughs> because the question, when you put it in, in context of what Nate was saying is, why would you be a Christian and not want to grow? 
you know, that's the difference between looking the outside uh, from the outside in, because when you look from the outside in, you're saying things like, well, if you're saved, you can sin. You can, but when you're inside and have that relationship with Christ, the question becomes, why would I not want to grow? Why would I want to sin? Why, why do I not just take that, that um, invitation from Christ to grow and, and grow it because of the joy that it produces? And I, as I, uh, experience a little bit of joy. I want a little bit more and a little bit. And that's the dynamic that we get to enjoy is the family of, of God and not this burden of, oh, I guess if I'm a Christian, I have to grow uh, anything but that, you know, so far from it. And, and those aren't those the people that we like to, to engage with are the people that are just responding to God's love and growing because of it. And, uh, and it's just a, a neat thing. So we had a, a great conversation Monday. It's a little bit reminds me of what we're talking about here. And, and it's, it's that joy it's, it's producing. That's what, that's what the Trinity does, right? Mm. They, they're life producing. And that's what we get the, the gift of from them. So apparently we're doing a lot of eating. Because <laughs> all I heard you say is when we sit with these group of people, we were eating. We sit the, so you can just imagine how much food that we are eating. Um, sounds but I will tell you this. My joy comes from the liberty I have, and my liberty is grounded in assurance, the assurance of my salvation. And it has become more um, stable in my life since being here, because here I was out with a young woman and we were talking and I said something about, you know, joy, you know, my liberty, and I'm so assured of it. And she looked at me, she goes, can we be assured? Like, really, is there really any assurance? And I looked at her and I said, well, I have assurance. And she was aghast. Hmm. You can't have assurance. You don't know. And I said, yes. And she looked at me like, well, you're pretty happy about that. And I was like, yeah, because my liberty is grounded in my assurance. Yeah. That that's cool. by trusting and obeying, that that's joy. That's absolute joy to me. And to hear somebody not have assurance because of traditions mm. and unwillingness to let go. There's a letting go when you come to Christ. Because mm. like what um, Sean said, our identity. Who am I going to be now? Well, you know, I'm going to be a, a child of God. Mm. And we're going to approach this subject this Saturday when I do my last big event with all the women of the church. What is my identity? I'm a woman who is a child of God, who has been given the assurance of my salvation through the forgiveness of Christ on the cross. And this is my confidence. Amen to that. Man, just, just to wrap up here, I just want to respond to, to both of you because, and just that word traditions again, we've been talking a lot about that today. And I just want to be really clear here. I know we're talking about some of the easy examples like, Catholicism or like, um, you know, the Jews of Jesus' time, but this extends to every single one of us. We talked about church examples, but even more microscope than that, what this might look like in your life is, is you're unwilling to let go of your traditions and your heart of your weekly routine of, I do this Monday through Friday and I work in a job where I don't express myself and I got to get my Starbucks before I come to church in the morning and I come in expecting not to move around or whatever that looks like for you. We, we got our own traditions and that's what we're saying is not we can't, we don't have the authority to command you to be joyous in church, right? 
we do have the authority as your brothers and sisters to encourage and exhort you and say, you be thinking about what your Savior has done for you when you come into church. You make that more important than what you are planning to do after church at Costco or whatever your traditions are like these things. If those things are getting in the way of your joy with the Savior, then something is off, right? Something is wrong. So all to say, man, we are so, so grateful, Pat and Sheila, for you giving up your sleep tradition today for, mm-hmm. for us to be able to be blessed by you. We're praying for you uh, continuously and looking forward to having you guys back here pretty soon. Those of you listening, uh, give him a prayer, give him a hug when you see him in a couple weeks. And, um, and, and you can text him, uh, right? The, the, yeah, they, your numbers are still the if same. Send an email. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just drop them an encouraging line for their, for their last, uh, haul, you know, their last little stint, um, in Poland and who knows, maybe God will call him back someday. We hope, we hope not, but <laughs> we know you guys will be obedient if he does. So thank you guys so much for joining and uh, sleep good. Huh? Thank you guys. Yep. Everyone listening, whether it's uh, on Sunday at the crossing or the Altamont, whether it's next, next week on behold, maybe it's tomorrow on Thursday. I hear that Dan, the man is teaching tomorrow. Any of those things our prayer and hope for you seriously is that you show up thinking and wondering and just reveling in the glory of what Jesus has done for you. And we trust and expect that as you do that, he's going to do a work in your hearts. Amen. Amen. You guys could be speaking complete gibberish and we would have no idea. So, you know, uh, let me tell you uh, something. Pat did a passage of scripture in Polish and they cheered for him. Good job, bud. Okay, we won't put you on the spot and make you do it now, but, but maybe, maybe. You wouldn't know if I was right or yeah, not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Only Tim Johnston would know. Okay, this time for real. Pat and Sheila, listener, Dan, I love you all. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week. Online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.